0: Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Yeah.
0: Hashtag Utah Jazz. High right side is Nikola Jokic against Gobert. He starts backing down, spin move, beat him badly. Reverse side layup is up and in. 22 points for Nikola Jokic in the first quarter. Jamal one-on-one with favors to take a three. Yeah! 11 of 12 from downtown are the Denver Nuggets against the hottest three-point shooting team in the NBA. Jokic has it on the elbow. He starts backing down his man. Gets down to the low block. Spins baseline. Leans in. Layup is up and in. And there it is. Nikola Jokic ties his career high with 47 points.
1: Yeah, there it was. Nikola Jokic... That 47 points. 11-game win streak for the Jazz is kaput. It's over. It's history. And, boy, they went down in a heap of flame. 128-117 yesterday afternoon to Denver. Jokic was unstoppable. I said it. I keep saying it. He has the best face-up game of any center I've ever seen. Plus, if you combine all the aspects of what you need on offense— Nikola Jokic is the best center, has the best all-time game, all things considered. Threes, backing you down, face up. Name me a center who's better at all aspects. I put that on Twitter in one of my rare tweets. Guys at all, and he actually said it with a straight face. Yes, I did, and 100% sober, and I say it even more so today. Olajuwon and Abdul-Jabbar were awesome, and I would take either one ahead of Jokic, but I don't think that uh, they had the all-around game. He is just sensational. So the 11-game win streak, as I said, is over. Jazz look to start one tomorrow. They're at home against Detroit. Now, is this something that would cause you to think, that's ah, it's just one of those games, or it is something that you're worried about? And they're a good team, but they're not really a title contender. Well, the great thing about the NBA is you got a game tomorrow, probably, and it's exactly what the Jazz have. The Pistons tomorrow, and it's 8 o'clock. You know, check your time, make sure you're aware of that because they're moving games around with the COVID. Tomorrow night at home, Tuesday night, 8 p.m., Jazz back at it. The Detroit Pistons, obviously, we'll be talking about yesterday, what does it mean, and all that stuff going forward. Stay with us right here at on 97.5, 1280, the zone. Hashtag NBA Jackson will inbound baseline far side for Leonard Now short corner on the near side with 14 to shoot Baseline drive Oh! Kawhi Leonard Takes off and slams with the right hand Over the top of R.J. Barrett To make it a 10 point clipper lead Lowry down to the baseline far side Finds a cutting Siakam Who jams it down Oh, He crowned Aaron Gordon Threw it right in his kitchen Matthews, left wing to Westbrook for three. It's there.
2: Oh, my goodness. With 4.3 seconds left, the Wizards lead 147-146. Crazy weekend in the NBA. Four games yesterday. The best finish yesterday looked a lot like the best finish on Saturday. The Nets had a five-point lead on the Wizards. The Wizards came down in the final ten seconds, hit a three, stole A horrific inbounds pass that probably would have just rolled out of bounds because it didn't look like it was going to anybody. One quick pass, Westbrook hits a three, Wizards have the lead. There was still time left, and Brooklyn got a great shot, and it was a layup at the rim, and it rolled around and out. And somehow they'd blown that lead, which maybe meant... Maybe made the Bulls feel better, but I doubt it. Zach Levine looked pretty pissed leaving the floor. After Damian Lillard hit two three-pointers in the last 10 seconds to give uh, Portland a win over Chicago Saturday night. Two great finishes, PK. NBA players' abilities to hit the three under pressure when there's nothing to do but shoot. Just let it rip. Magic really does happen.
1: Yeah, I should have trademarked that phrase. <laughs> Maybe I could have sold it some company and be rich, too. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: Wild, wild ending. That game was on NBA television, and I was watching that yesterday, last night. And uh, Kevin Durant zigged, and Joe Harris thought he was going to zag. And that led to the turnover, and Westbrook is not necessarily a good three-point shooter. Fired it up. And then somebody, uh, Timothy lawu Caraba for the Nets, never heard of him, misses a point-blank layup off the inbounds pass. <laughs> and he cut so, wide
2: open. I mean, he was yeah. so wide open, I thought he was just going to catch it and dunk. Defender came over there at the last second, but still.
1: Uchimara, the Gonzaga Bulldog, was uh, kind of caught in no man's land there. So, yeah, they got that was a fun game. Fun fun ending. I think I saw 149-146, second highest non-overtime game in the last 25 years in terms of total points.
2: And so now it's, uh, the stats are becoming clear as this uh, group of Nets, it's clear they're going to be uh, the best offense in the NBA, maybe the most prolific ever, and they got a chance to be the worst defense ever, too. Things change, but that's how it's going early on. So I don't know how often you'll get 149-146, but I'm not going to be surprised when we get 129-126. That's for sure.
1: Don't blame it on James Harden. He did not play.
2: Uh, you also heard the Clippers beating the Knicks. Kawhi Leonard had 28 points, and the Clippers now have the best record in the West. They're a half game in front of the Jazz, which means, of course, they have the best record in the NBA. Will that go back and forth all year long?
1: You know, I think it will to an extent. Uh, yeah, and I think that probably COVID and injuries will determine it. And as long as I think the Clippers feel like, uh, yeah, if we're in that mix there, and we don't have an injury or COVID at the time of the playoffs, I think they feel very, very confident. And they have reason to believe that they should be. they got a lot of talent on that team.
2: DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college basketball.
2: The game was so incredibly awesome because we won. I'm so happy about that. We, we went through our whole lineup and everybody found a way to contribute in different ways. And on not our best night, the guys kind of gutted it out. And that's a real identity of this team. It's kind of who they are. We might not know a lot of uh, other stuff about ourselves, but we know that we'll stay in there and fight and fight and fight and fight and absorb frustration. And so that was my takeaway today that I thought was spectacular. Well, that's uh, at least three games in a row we've seen that, and two out of three BYU's been able to pull out. The two Pepperdine games, they won the first, they lost the second. And this one even more so, put a couple exclamation points on the end of it because it went two overtimes. And BYU beat Pacific so close to losing. (laughs) Pacific had two shots at the end of uh, regulation to win it, uh, wrapped around. Two free throws by Lohner that could have won it for BYU, and then Parcella had to hit a big hoop PK with 20, 25 seconds to go in overtime to get them to double OT.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know that they were necessarily close to losing it because I don't know that Pacific, even though it was double overtime, I don't think Pacific was really that close to winning it. Uh, well, they had the ball
2: again at OT with another chance to win. So they yeah. had three possessions and didn't score on any of them, which is I, Mark's point about grinding.
1: I I didn't feel like that was the case. I mean, BYU's got to just stop avoiding a bunch of mistakes. I mean, missed free throws, you allowed a, an offensive rebound off a missed free throw at the end, you know, covering Majerus for a decade like I did. They could win by 40, but if you allowed an offensive rebound off a missed free throw, he would make sure he brought you, your name up and criticize you. And that could have been in a 40-point victory. There's some things that really can not happen. Too many turnovers at the end there. They've got to clean that up. That's what, you know, and I I appreciate Mark Pope. You won. You want to be excited about winning, and that's great. But you you have higher goals than beating Pacific in double overtime Hmm. at home. I think you do anyway. I think you're better than that. And games are games, and sometimes things happen. But I've seen a little bit of this where it's a little bit of a nine-live situation against Pepperdine. They didn't get him. Pepperdine, they gave up, what, three offensive rebounds and one possession, and you have about eight guys that are nine feet tall. Hmm. Those types of things can't happen, and they've got to get better at those specific things that are getting in the way of them winning comfortably or in the case of that Pepperdine, what was it, uh, whatever it was, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, getting in the way of winning And for a team that has high goals, as they should, I want to see a little bit better. uh, A little bit better execution on both sides of the court uh, down the stretch. Because for two consecutive games, and they got away with one, they they really didn't play the way they're capable of.
2: On Friday, you were talking about the Utes are like a box of chocolates straight out of Forrest Gump. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, they can win, they can lose, they can be up big at, at halftime, up 10, and they can lose at home. They've done it multiple times. Now they were down 19, with nine minutes to go on the road at Colorado against what looks like one of the better teams in the Pac-12. And they went on a 31-9 run. Alfonso Plummer hit pretty much everything he threw up, three-pointers from both sides of the court all over the place, and they come back and they win it. He got 21 of his 23 in the last eight minutes. Utah, with a really surprising win, if you were watching that game. Really surprising that they pulled that off in the last nine minutes, but they got it done in 177-74. That was really out of nowhere, PK.
1: Well, that's who Plummer is. And the good thing is now, the announcer is the rest of his, he's a senior, but the rest of this year, we don't have to keep referring back to Oregon State in the conference tournament last year. He's like, every time you talk about that kid, that's what they refer back to because he had the 37, whatever it was, and a losing effort. And here, I want to see the Utes find ways to win that are sustainable. Now, expecting Plummer to score 23 points in the second half, that's not sustainable. He did it, and they won. Well, they should win if he's going to basically make all the shots. Got a little push-off at the end there to give him a little... uh, Uh, cushion uh, but I want to see them be more consistent that that's their whole goal for the next six weeks however long this season ends as lasts for them is to find ways to be consistent and even in the every game you know getting down by 19 it was a thrilling comeback and a thrilling game and he had it going on he's hot I just don't know how many times you can count on that as a method to win if you need that type of form performance from him to win, probably not going to get very many wins. He's capable of doing it occasionally, as he did, and good for him. And it was maybe now they can get a little streak. You know, they got the Arizonas coming in this week. Uh, ASU's below them in the standings, so that should be some a game you should be able to win. And then Arizona not really playing for anything this year because obviously they penalized them, uh, their own program and not going to do any NCAs. So you got two teams that seem to be playing out the string, so let's see what you can do at home. You know, as long as you follow it up, that's pretty good. But we've been singing this tune now for several weeks. Well, they got six
2: straight games with neither consecutive losses or consecutive wins. Loss and a win, loss and a win, loss and a win. And actually, the way Arizona Arizona State, you know, sets up, on paper, it wouldn't be surprising if it continued this week. But the Utes and on paper, there's something you shouldn't worry about because you just don't know what they're going to do. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NFL. Just want to reiterate our commitment to Deshaun Watson. He's had a great impact on this organization, a great impact on a lot of people, a great impact on this team. And um, we look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with him here this spring once we get started. And, you know, we have zero interest in trading the player. Um, We have a great plan, a great vision for for him and for this team and his role on our team. And we look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with him here this spring.
2: That's the Texans' general manager, Nick Casario, there. No interest in trading Deshaun Watson. It seems to have no interest in, stating, in staying, so now, PK, they can just stare at each other day after day, and we'll see who cracks first. If Watson is going to absorb a bunch of fines and just not show up, and are the Texans going to have no interest until they do? How's this going to play out? So gear up. Now, no, no such drama in Detroit. They're trading Matthew Stafford to the Rams for Jared Goff, a third-round pick this year, and then first-round picks the next two years after that in 2022 and 2023. First exchange of former number-one draft picks in the common draft era, so that's going back to 1967. Deal won't be official until March 17th, but we haven't seen this before in the NFL. Number-one overall picks dealt
1: yeah, I mean, that's that's just an oddity. I don't know. That doesn't really mean anything to me. I don't – that's stuff that you find interesting. I don't really – Well, if he would have been the number two pick, it wouldn't have been as less of a blockbuster deal. Uh, it's just uh, Detroit gave up a lot. Or, was, excuse me, the Rams – the Rams, not Detroit, Detroit. The Rams gave up a lot because now they don't have a first-round pick until, like, 2024, and you know this is the way you build your team. We saw that with Jimmy Johnson 25 years ago. How he built that superpower was through draft picks and all that stuff. So you got to draft well, just can't have the picks. And you're trading for a 33 year old guy too. And the guns. Uh, the battery mate of uh, Clayton Kershaw in high school. He was he was Clayton Kershaw's catcher down there in Texas when they were in high school. Now he's a good quarterback, that's for sure. Uh, but, man, it seems like the Rams gave up a lot.
2: They're going to give up seven years without a first-round pick in this Yeah. Run. Yeah, they've I already know. got a few in the bag, and now they, they got do. a few more going seven forward. straight.
1: I yeah. mean, George Allen just rolled over in his grave.
2: <laughs> the future and, is
1: now. Yes, George Allen buried in the same cemetery as my father-in-law in Rancho Palos Verdes. Green Hills. Green Hills Mortuary. I've been by his graveside. So, uh, yeah, that's, and I give the Rams credit for trying to win now. I mean, you always want to be in that situation. Man, it seems to me like they gave up a lot. Now, if Stafford can come in there and win, then then everything is worth it. You know, If you sign these guys to these big deals and you get a title and a Super Bowl win out of it somewhere along the line, you really don't care what else happens because those things are the ultimate prize, and they're very, very elusive, and very few get them.
2: Well, if you look at their history, uh, the Detroit organization clearly has problems. One playoff win since 1957, so Stafford hasn't won a playoff game, but he's been there three times, and the Rams' recent playoff history is good. Obviously, they, they won in Seattle this year and uh, and then got beaten. He took them to a Super Bowl, so both guys have playoff experience. Goff has Super Bowl experience, but... Uh, <laughs> the- I guess the, the Lions are looking at, at the haul they're getting, with, and then the Rams are looking at uh, this is a guy who can win the playoffs. We're winning with our defense, or we're being held back by our quarterback. Sure, yeah. So thinking a little better play at quarterback, they'll be fine. Green Bay Packers going to have a new defensive coordinator. They're making a change, and this is the last change from the Mike McCarthy staff, so they let him coach out his contract, and now they're moving on. Who's uh, after, going? Uh, Mike. Petine. Pettin. Pettin. Dang it. Yep. 50-50. Missed it. They've been in the NFC title game the last couple of years. Get a new defensive coordinator, maybe they'll win it. And at minimum, get your own guy in there, I guess, is what matters. So they
1: just fired them? them. They don't have a, a, an announcement yet?
2: Nothing so far. Yeah, we okay. don't know who's coming in. All right.
0: DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag
0: college football.
2: Former Michigan quarterback Dylan McCaffrey announced he's transferring to Northern Colorado to play for his father, Ed McCaffrey, who's the Bears' head coach. Ah, the big sky. Getting a big-time transfer, PK. Want to play for your dad?
1: Well, his career never took off at Michigan yep. uh, at all. He rarely got on the field and had an injury. Now, Northern Colorado's opted out of big sky play, but they're going to play some non-conference stuff yeah, here. They're
2: going to play a modified non-conference in, schedule.
1: In, in the spring, that, that's really bizarre as far as what they're going to do there
2: big sky's Uh, down to eight teams playing
1: yeah that's going to be very very weird i I wonder how it's going to play out and i I saw that in reading on northern colorado there and the mccaffreys are from uh the denver area a little bit south of denver and so going up to i-25 there to to play and See if he is one of these busts or just got caught up in good competition cuz only one kid plays. And his brother is a running back at Nebraska and is transferring, right? Or no, is it quarterback quarterback, a quarterback transfer. Quarterback
2: Luke. Yep, he's a quarterback transfer. Yeah, two, they had
1: two quarterbacks and then of course uh, Christian who's in the NFL. Yep.
2: Tennessee will not retain their offensive coordinator Jim Chaney, quarterback's coach Chris Wanky. New head coach Josh Heupel beginning to form his coaching staff in Knoxville. There's a couple names we recognize from their playing days as quarterbacks. Heupel Jim and Wankie. I don't
1: recognize that name.
2: Heupel and Wanky. Oh, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> Not Chaney. Yeah, well, Wanky won the Heisman, yes, yeah, so I'm sure. Florida State game. And Heupel, Heupel played there at Snow here in State, didn't he? Former Corner Canyon
2: star, he did. Uh, former Corner Canyon star quarterback Jackson Dart, who signed with USC, is named the Max Preps National High School Football Player of the Year, leading the Chargers to the 6A state title.
1: Oh yeah, I I found out about that a day earlier. They were running around circulating emails at Corner Canyon. Everyone was way excited about that. The thing that I saw, and it was sent to me, they sent a little in-house email that obviously I got and looked at. uh, And so I looked at it. Normally I wouldn't pay any attention, but I did look at it. And there was like four kids from the state of Utah who were on first or second team. And none of them are going to uh, BYU or Utah Guard to
2: USC, Oregon must be getting one or two of the kids. Who were the? Who else were? I don't know who was on the list, so it's hard to. Well,
1: uh, the uh, son is a smaller kid. He's going to Weaver. He was first team. Okay. Uh, Then they had a couple linemen uh, that are going to Oregon. Mm -hmm. One of the kids from uh, Corner Canyon, then a kid Yak. What's his name? uh, From uh, down there in Utah County, Kingsley something or other. Kingsley Suamataya, and also Jackson Light from Corner Canyon. Right, and so. Going to Oregon. So you got, and the Cares kid is smaller in size. So that was a tough one, but uh, to expect them. They got BYU or Utah probably could have had them if they wanted them. Uh, but to have these other kids not going state, we're getting a little Arizona ish here. And that becomes a problem. I mean, you look at Oregon just cleaning up. Oregon not only has their starter at quarterback from Arizona, their backup is from Arizona too. They're all. They're, you gotta, gotta keep the kids in state if you want if you want a dominant program.
2: DJ and PK. Hashtag
0: Major League Baseball.
2: So, the Major League Baseball Players Association is mulling over a proposal Major League Baseball made to delay the start of the 2021 season. If the union doesn't provide a counteroff early next week, spring training likely to start in mid-February is scheduled. The league's proposal to push back the start of spring training to late March and the beginning of the season to late April includes a 154-game schedule that would pay players their full 162-game salaries. Players Association reportedly has concerns delaying spring training would impact pitchers who are already gearing up, starting throwing, so they're kind of into their routine and they don't want to push back and have to put that on hold. Also, the concerns language in the deal could give the commissioner more power to cancel or postpone games as well as potentially cut into players' pay. Of course, it's coming back to salaries. I don't see why baseball would want to play a 154-game schedule and give guys 100% of their salary, PK. That doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Uh, yeah, but I'm, I would take it. <laughs> yeah, right. I would take get my full salary. I mean, as I've said for almost a year, the people who keep pushing lockouts, they're the ones who are employed or lockups or lock, lock of whatever they're supposed to be, lockdowns I guess is the word.
2: DJ and PK Golf. Ah, oh, now this was a controversial weekend. Patrick Reed wins the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines by 5 shots. On Sunday, but on Saturday, embroiled in a rules controversy about a plugged ball on hole 10. Video showed him picking up a ball before the rules official arrived. He asked a volunteer there, did it bounce? The volunteer said no, although video answer clearly said yes. Uh, Tony Finau finished tied for second place at 9-under. This is one more chapter in the Patrick Reed story. He's not popular. People think he at minimum pushes the envelope, and many people think he cheats. And then, pretty similar deal on Sunday, but it was Roy McElroy, not Patrick Reed, wasn't exactly the same, and didn't seem to make, uh, didn't seem to have quite the juice as a storyline. PK.
1: Well, the the at the time of uh, McElroy, it was you know uh, Reed was sort of running away with it, uh, so uh, yeah, he he needs to be aware of perception. And but they they had tons of PGA people come on, and they talked about it at length. That he did nothing wrong, but because he's Patrick Reed, it's like Draymond Green can yell at a teammate and get a T. And Mike Conley can yell at a ref and not get a T. Well Conley has the rep of not getting Ts. He's never had one. He's been in the league for twelve, thirteen years. He's thought of as this calm, rational dude. Draymond's a pop off, so he breathes. You need to be aware of what your perception is. And a lot of times the perception that you have is because it's been earned. And, you know, a lot of that stuff in the world too. We need to look at ourselves instead of blaming others all the time. And so Reed, he should have immediately called over somebody without touching the ball and let them decide, and then there wouldn't have been any issue. But because he didn't, and he's Reed, it becomes a massive story in the golf world.
2: Does he care about the perception? You're spot on with Draymond Green. That was actually the comparison that was made in the Channel 2 (laughs) the sports office on Sunday when we were, or maybe it was Saturday I guess, when we were talking about it. This is just this is who this guy is. And, and Draymond Green went off this weekend in a press conference
1: as well. So you know, it was fresh. A lot of F bombs, man. I was yeah. embarrassed. Yeah, he, he was just. I was there. watching it for Sunday night with my family because I said, hey, family, you need to listen to this guy. He speaks a lot of sense. And then all these F bombs. Oh, I guess he doesn't. You know, he's had controversy. He has no relationship unless it's changed with his parents. He uh, has them escorted off the grounds if they show up. And at least he did at some point. Hopefully it's better. I mean, that's a tragedy. Uh, so you got all these things swirling around him, and maybe he doesn't. But it's going to dog him one way or the other. So if he doesn't care, so be it.
2: What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, top of the hour, Ken Pomeroy, owner of KenPom.com, college basketball numbers guru, will tell us how things are shaping up for the NCAA tournament, especially for BYU and for Utah State. Talk college hoops with him, And then Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock, DJ and PK. Question of the day is coming up next.
0: The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Howard Beck, Sports Illustrated. Over the last eight games and his last 233 minutes on the floor, Mike Conley is a plus 195. That's
1: really (laughs) remarkable. (laughs) That doesn't even seem possible.
0: That mathematically sounds ludicrous. That he's a net plus for them on the floor is not surprising, but that number seems awfully
2: staggering. The Jazz knew what they were doing when they got him. First season, there might have been a disappointment, and it raised certain understandable questions, including by me. But we knew what the talent was and the leadership capabilities, the scoring,
0: the playmaking, the decision Making any team will benefit from his presence just because of what he brings to the table. That's what they were hoping to get when they acquired Conley, and it just took some time maybe for him to have the impact that they foresaw. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5 1280, the zone in the zone sports network.
2: Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury has not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac today question of the morning you could probably see this one coming people are we writing off the denver losses one of those games or is it something else pk i believe it is something else so do i it's not just one of those games I mean, there was going to be a game out there at the end of an 11-game streak. We talked about this on Friday, and we both thought the streak would be over by the time we came in on Monday morning. Honestly, I thought they were going to lose uh, the rematch to Dallas, playing twice in three days, being shorthanded. I didn't think they could count on Clarkson for 31 again or Rudy for 29 and 20 again. I mean, really, I thought they were going to need Boyan to get going, and I, I hadn't really seen any sign of him getting going, and then he got going. So they won that game quite comfortably. But the loss in Denver? This has happened before. This is the fourth time that this has happened where they have basically just been they have been playing well offensively, shooting the ball well, and have just gotten outscored. I don't know if it's a lock number. Um, Jake Edmonds at Channel 2. Don't uh, give
1: me stats. Don't give me stats. Yes.
2: <laughs> the whole thing here is the team's going to shoot a lot of threes because they shoot them very well. They're going to outscore people. And that's the way they need to play and now this is the fourth time, including the bubble, that the Jazz have lost to Denver, shooting 43s and shooting 40%. So, hey, if they miss threes, they're going to be vulnerable. Well, they are, but they're vulnerable against Denver, even when they're executing the game plan at a high level, shooting a bunch of threes and making over 40% of them. They lost a regular season game in the bubble. They lost two playoff games in the bubble, and now they lost this one. Denver can outscore them. They struggle to defend these guys, specifically Jokic. Obviously, Murray went off on him in the playoffs too. But they struggle to defend these guys. This I'm isn't the first bad about game they've
1: the had. Bubble. The bubble has no bearing on now. Uh, and if, if that's your big worry, then if you don't play Denver in the playoffs, you got nothing to worry about. It does not make any sense.
2: Well, I think you'll have uh, something to worry about if you play the uh, Clippers or the Lakers, but I think, yeah, I think this says that there's something to worry about if you play Denver.
1: Okay, then don't play Denver. Well, they,
2: they may not. I mean, they they mean we don't know They finagled
1: a way to put those seedings. They wanted to play Denver last year. They, 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 they basically did. finagled the end of the season, the regular season, in your bubble to, to make sure that that was the case. So... You're you call you're calling them out on that then. You said obviously that was a mistake, that they did that, that they shouldn't have done that by your own... Well, own I don't conscience.
2: know that they could have beaten whoever else they would have played either. But
1: nevertheless, we're not talking about that. We're talking about their decision to finagle the standings to play Denver. In your, in your mind, that was a mistake. So uh, they could probably do that again. If they're that petrified of Denver, they could probably finagle the standings to make sure they don't face Denver in the first round if it's that big of a deal to me I'm I'm not leave the stats to whatever I mean if you're going to shoot like Denver shot uh, whoever they're playing against and I don't buy I didn't think they were going to lose to Dallas in two two games in 3 days that that that, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me that, those are just numbers on a wall or something I mean the, the, whatever the Jazz were missing Dallas is missing a bunch of guys too so all that day what what do you do that day that that's what i look at and i think to me the issue here clearly was denver denver's playing better they're finding their groove and that's important for them and it took them a while cuz they had significant subtractions to their team and it took them a little bit to get going and now they they're going and as porter uh, I know you're hung up on what lock and Port- lock doesn't lock Porter like, like Porter, but when the porters come back, they're like five, six, and one. They so, are six and
2: one now. They went six to the last seven.
1: Yeah, uh, so they're they're finding their way because they had a few. They had a lot of lineup changes. You take two critical guys come out and Grant and Plumley, and uh, the other kid Craig is was there too, and so they're sort of finding their way on what they do, so they look like they're a good team to be reckoned with. I think the issue with the Jazz, and clearly Denver was up for this game, is the Jazz now, they're near the top of the league. And so that means then you're going to get teams better efforts. They're going to be a little more fired up to play you, especially against a team that is ahead of you, and that's what Denver saw in the standings, that the Jazz are ahead of them. And the Jazz need to be aware of that. I don't think that's any numbers on a board. You need to be aware of intensity and effort and those types of things because it meant a little more for the Nuggets to beat those guys than it did Minnesota because they're chasing them, and there's plenty of games for them to catch them. So I think, to me, that's the thing that matters going forward is that you need to be aware of what you're getting in the opponent because – they're pointing toward you, my man. Majority talked about that all the time. There, heavy is, hit, <laughs> heavy is the head, the crown. <laughs> he, he, and he had phrases for everything, and so, and I saw that firsthand for friggin' ten years, practically. Not the entire time. My first year working for the website, they were fourteen and fourteen, and uh, so nobody was chasing them. But they got to go that second year. I was on, on the beat working for the website, and. It's the they... website
2: now. The watchdog is gone. It's now the website.
1: <laughs> well, it is a website, right? It is. It is, yes. Yeah. We, all those guys and myself, we, we all work for websites. And uh, they had to face it, and I saw it. It's Rice. He played Rice in a uh, big Monday game, which was 11 o'clock <laughs> Houston time, obviously. <laughs> and the place was packed. And they had a pajama night. Show up in your pajamas. And they had a lot of students out there in pajamas. And, you know, maybe, well, it was because it was a big Monday and it was 11 o'clock. It was odd. But the reason why it was a big Monday is because it was the Utes. And the Utes were the team. And they were a nationally prominent team at that point. And so they got everybody's best efforts. you know. And then, I don't know if it was the same year, uh, but that was SMU. Then you go across the area there, Metroplex, and they play TCU. And the place was packed then, too. They got that old Ricky arena. They still have it. I think they made some improvements to it. Uh, but you got the best effort. And every time we went to Wyoming, you get the best effort. And I think that's what the Jazz are getting to an extent now. And I don't think they match the effort. They match the intensity. And Denver came out fired up and focused and all that stuff. And Jokic is just an absolute beast. He is an animal. He's the best diversified offensive center in the history of the game. And you say that, wow, that can't possibly be. Some guy, I don't know, put it out there and he tweeted, oh, and he said that with a straight face. Yeah, as I said earlier in the first segment, I did say it with a straight face. Yeah, and I meant it. I meant it yesterday, and I mean it today. The guy is incredible, and you've got to be on the top of your game. And the Jazz weren't, and they got smoked. They had a nice rally, but they still got smoked in the first half. Zero says
2: other than Jokic's monster game, and Will Barton adding six of seven crazy from the three point line. Well, that explains everything. The Jazz are eleven and one in the last twelve games. Go, Jazz. He's writing it oh, off. I
1: mean, they're they're eleven and two in their last thirteen games. They're eleven and three in their last fourteen games. I mean, okay.
2: Wayne Hill says it's already written off. Jazz played well. Denver had a crazy
1: good first half. Yeah, but I think the Jazz had something to do with it. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Denver just, wow, the shots are falling. Look at us. This is awesome. I don't think it was happenstance.
2: (laughs) Denver came out for a statement game. We've already lost to these guys once. We saw them in the playoffs. We could see them again in the playoffs. We're not letting these guys run away and bury us by five games in the standings and beat us twice. We're not doing it. I do think that was their attitude.
1: Right, and that's not stat-oriented. That's effort, determination, focus, those types of things. The, that you got to look within yourselves and find ways to make sure that that doesn't happen. And it maybe they caught them off guard a little bit, but I think the Jazz going forward need to be aware. Even a lowly Detroit is going to come in, and hey. We're playing one of the better teams. Because clearly Detroit did it last week when they Lakers. played the Lakers. Now Absolutely. it was without Anthony Davis, of course, so that's a big difference.
2: But still, Detroit's 5-15. and 15. They're a bad yeah. team. They're short yeah. on talent. Right. And one of their five wins, they beat them. And they didn't just beat them. They beat them by 15.
1: I think they get fired up. You play so many games, you can't remember what city you're in from time to time. It's just the way it is, you know. I've done a little bit of that travel, and they all sort of add up. You get in the elevator, and you're not sure what floor you're on, because you're not you're not sure what hotel you're staying on, staying in. But when you play the better teams, I think you have more of a of a increased focus, and so I think the Jazz going forward need to be aware of that. And, and I'm not one of these guys. Oh, you got to put them away early and all that stuff, and. And that, to me, that's a cliche because you just look at it. Denver came out all sorts of fired up. Then what happened in the third quarter? They didn't come out as all sorts of fired up. And the Jazz doubled them up, didn't they? Because I think the the, the, the lead, Nuggets knew yeah. that they had a little bit of a cushion, so they didn't have to have that laser focus.
2: The lead went to 28 early in the quarter. It had been 25 of the half, and then the Jazz had their big run. And a Clarkson three got it down to eight, and then they didn't get any closer. But that whole third court, well, from like the eight-minute, nine-minute mark of the third quarter when it went to 28 until the one-minute mark when Clarkson hit the three, it was like, well, they are kind of itching back into it. I mean, it's, it's too far by NBA standards. Like, 15-point leads, I feel like that can happen. 28 isn't supposed to happen. There aren't that many 28-point leads to be had. But when they get it to eight, you're like, wow. And I'm thinking, what's the biggest comeback ever? And I'm thinking, wow, it was actually the Jazz beating the Nuggets. They got down by 30, was it 34 maybe? And yeah, Back 90s. in like 90, yeah, 94, and the Nuggets weren't good then. They didn't have a Jokic then. So, All right, Tony says uh, 15 of 17 from the three-point line in the first half. It's hard to recover from that. Wish they could match the physicality of the other team. And the three losses, New Jersey, New York, Denver, each one came out and were very physical with the Jazz. At least the Jazz didn't quit. Tony stuck around for the third quarter comeback come back, too.
1: No, they didn't quit, if that's what you're looking for. I mean, way to go. Pat them on the back, they didn't quit. And we hand out a trophy at the end. I mean, come on. I mean, they didn't quit, so they didn't roll over. I'll give them credit on that. But Denver rolled over for a little bit. I just find it it's not just coincidental. Denver comes out, all sorts of fired up. And then the third quarter, Denver isn't all sorts of fired up. And the Jazz took advantage. Now, go ahead and match that. Match the other team's best shot. Or at least hang in there and be aware and so you don't fall behind as much. And it's a great learning experience. As Gobert said, I talked about this on television last night, Gobert, when they lost to the Knicks later to start the winning streak, somewhere a longer winning streak, he said that loss was good for you. And I do think at this level, when you're playing so many games, losses can be good for you in terms of refocusing and what you need to do and get and, and Mitchell when they're having those losses in the early of the season he was getting sick of saying the same thing and so part of the sickness of it to recover is to go out and play better and they did which i don't think it was an accident so i get what Gobert's saying and i got buy completely into what it hey we lost these couple of ball games in New York City these things we're not going to have this happen again and then they go on an 11 game win streak so i don't think by anything by any stretch this is fatal to say the least, just go ahead and find ways to increase the intensity at the start of the game as you were doing. Because you could look at it for the two Dallas games and uh, what's-his-face, Doncic, going off on his team, acting like people don't care if you recall. That's what he said Friday night.
2: I do. Yes, he said that after the game Friday. And actually, I thought the way they played, I don't want to say I don't want to care big picture but because I don't watch them enough to know that, but in the short run, I did think that. They were so loose with the ball. I mean, just throwing sloppy passes in the backcourt and giving it away. I mean, it looked like a bad pickup game at your local gym. It was... I I get why he said that. And anyone who went at him on the team, and I don't think they would because he's Luka Doncic and can get you traded. But if they did, I mean, you can just show them, what is this? I mean, they're better than this. That, that was really sloppy at times. Mm-hmm. But they were down, you know, they're on the road. It's like you said, there's a gazillion games, and the, you go through the, the same the same opponent with the same results two nights in a row, it gets pretty frustrating. You know, yeah. as they just get lit up again. Alright, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80. The Zone, more your reaction coming up. Ken Pomeroy, kenpomp.com, college basketball numbers guru will join us in about 15 minutes and we'll check on what he thinks of the Cougars and the Aggies and their NCAA tournament chances. Stay with us.
1: Now let's get this party started!
0: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No. No, and I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey you? Hey, John, I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, how yeah. well, we have you. No, no,
1: we've had a, uh-huh. a a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident.
0: I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and you know cleaning our hens or whatever you want to call it, and uh, he thought that he was like King Triton, and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh, that is good. Up eat best bag on the mark and put it right underneath
2: the kneecap. Did you throw a trident?
0: Yeah, I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson and scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 975 1280 the zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2: Today is February 1st. Valentine's Day is February 14th, and we want to remind you Valentine's Day. It's creeping up here. It's not that far away, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy. Just visit them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's falls on a Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers will take care of you at jimmysflowers.com. All right, PK, we got more people weighing in on the question of the morning. Are we writing off the Denver loss as one of those games, or is it something else? Jeff says, well, it was a legendary shooting night for Denver, but we need a new strategy on Jokic. 47 points. You know he's capable of a big game, and he has one, and there's nothing you can do about it.
1: Oh, I disagree on that.
2: There's something you can do about it. You don't have to give up 47. (laughs) It's like what Quinn said about the three-point shooting. Yes, they were hot. Well, why couldn't it have been 13-17 or 11-17? You can say the same thing about Jokic. Couldn't you hold him to 37 or 27? I mean, he doesn't average 47. Why does he go off? Now, one of the answers to that is what you said in the last segment. They were fired up. He was fired up. But Quinn took a timeout three and a half minutes into the game. Denver was already 4-4 four, four from three. And he was giving everyone, hey, let's just settle down. we got time to fix this. But they came out of the timeout and nothing changed ever. Kept hitting threes.
1: I think rhythm shooting is big time important and these guys are all pros. They're all at the highest level and all that. But I think individual confidence in your shooting can come and go. We've seen it. I mean just look at the the Utah kid on Saturday Plumber. I mean it was obvious. Uh, After he hit a couple he knew I got it going on and then he was as good a shooter on the planet at that point because it was just the confidence that he had you have to have confidence all the time but i think confidence can ebb and flow to a degree and once you've got it going on well then you know you've got the confidence and so he was unstoppable and he led them 23 points in the second half i mean the, the uh halves in college were only 20 and he didn't play the whole half So his points per minute were just incredible. And then the Utes obviously rode that to a nice win for those guys, see what they can do to find any level of consistency. So once they start that shooting like that, then you really, really have to ratchet up your defensive intensity. If you've given me all you got intensity-wise and they're still making them, fine. But... That's up to the Jazz individuals to ask, did I leave everything out there in that first half defensively? Or did I take it, well, there's plenty of time and all this stuff, and even if we lose, it's one game. You don't want to go crazy because, you know, there's only so much intensity you have. Uh, But I would have liked to see a little bit more determination to just not let it happen and, you know, maybe you foul guys, the old J. Slow line. Let's foul some guys. And if you give up a couple of four-point plays, well, uh, so be it. At least you gave them something to think about, that we're just not going to be standing around. And I felt like, yeah, Denver was hot, no doubt about it, and they had it going on. And so, but I just I just don't like conceding anything at any time. That's what just bothers me. Oh, Denver was hot. It was one of those games. Oh, okay, All right. It seems too casual for me.
2: Brandon says, we didn't play bad. Mitchell had some rust. They shot 65% from three, and Joker's one of the best in the league. The team is fine. That's the casualness you're talking about right there. Brandon embodies it.
1: Yeah, I I don't like any type of concessions. You're going to lose, and the streak wasn't going to last, and... I don't want to go crazy and overturn chairs and all this stuff and have them out on the practice court at 6 a.m. and running laps and you know high school stuff I'm not saying that by any stretch but I just don't like conceding when it comes to well, I don't like to concede in anything actually
2: <laughs> Yeah, you're like when it comes to what do I want to concede about yeah um... I mean I can
1: lose and I've, bold oh, man, I've lost my shares. I've lost some very, very important things in life.
2: <laughs> Movies, that's what you'll concede on. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, whatever.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, I don't care. About <laughs>
2: right, exactly.
1: Uh, so.
2: But I know yeah. you don't like to concede in radio, and I know you don't like to concede in golf. I've witnessed those firsthand. Yeah. You're retired yeah. from the greatness of your baseball slash uh, slow-pitch softball career. So you don't have to concede there anymore.
1: Yeah, and you're going to lose, and you're, you're going to lose a fair share. Some of us are going to lose more than we win. But I, I just think, man, I could have conceded long time ago, but I didn't. And I got to where I wanted to go. And I don't want to blow this up because it's one game. So I want to keep the conceding in perspective. So I want to make do sure too, I'm but abundantly I, clear on I,
2: that. I think, and you can leave this stat out it if you want, but – The Jazz can't just outscore Denver, and they've had problems defending them. And I know it was the bubble, and I know it was weird. And if you want to throw out the first of those four games I told you about, fine. But this is similar to what happened in the playoff series, and everybody was all in on the playoff series. Denver has a knack for outscoring the Jazz, that's a problem. Well, that will be a problem if they draw Denver in the playoffs. To your point, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll end up on opposite sides of the bracket. They won't face each other, and so it won't matter. But since we don't know that right now, the the thing you can't write off about this game is the Jazz have a lot of problems defending Denver, and they better figure that out because they might see them in the postseason.
1: They, so they might.
2: That's. I but mean, to me, that's same the time takeaway. same time,
1: they're 1-1 one one against them this
2: exactly. year. Exactly, right and they were 4 and 3 or 3 or 4 against them in the playoff series. It's not impossible. They're not getting outclassed the way they did in playoff series with the with the Warriors and with the Rockets. You know, they're right there with them, but it is a problem. DJ and PK, Ken Pomeroy, owner of kenpom.com, college basketball guru. We will talk NCAA tournament and Aggies and Cougars with him next.